This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We are live. It is a Thursday morning. Welcome to the Standing Room Spartans podcast with your host, Kevin Parker, here talking about a lot of fun stuff here today. We're going to try to improve the college football experience, both from a broadcasting standpoint, as well as the the in-game experience in the stadium, specifically at Spartan Stadium, which if you've been going to games for as long as I have, I'm, I'm sure you will agree there's a lot of things we, we could change about that. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to welcome everybody in. If it's your first time listening, thank you for joining us. Make sure you go and listen to the previous episodes. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, we did you know top five MSU football games. We have a couple interviews. Uh, we have a, a lot of fun stuff on there, some Things talking about D'Antonio's tenure at Michigan State as well. Some outlooks for the next couple of years that we'll continue to get into that kind of stuff. Um, and of course, if it's not your first episode, I appreciate you coming back. If you haven't done it already, go ahead and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. It takes five seconds out of your day and it really, really helps me out. I, I really appreciate that. Keep telling your friends and family. I appreciate all of that support as this continues to grow. Follow me on Twitter at Standing Room MSU, as well as the new Instagram page. Just search Standing Room Spartans. You will find me doing a currently doing a countdown to the season. I'm uh, doing a trying to get as as involved on Instagram as we can as as the follow base continues to grow. You know, I just started this thing a couple days ago. So uh, once we start getting a few more followers on there, I'm going to try some. Instagram live and some things to try to interact with you guys as much as we can here. Got some interviews around the corner as well. Corey Robinson from Rivals uh, Spartan Mag is is going to join us next week to talk about MSU football recruiting. I have a lot of questions that I want to bend his ear about, you know, with Mel Tucker's recruiting philosophies, with how COVID has impacted all of this and you know, what we as, as you know, the casual observers of the recruiting side of everything, what we should be keeping an eye out for over the next couple of weeks and over the next couple of months here, you know, as we look to land some of these commitments for the 2021 class, you know, any guys in the 2020 class that are coming in that he expects to maybe make an immediate impact. I got a lot of good stuff that I, I really want to hear from him. So before um, we get all to that next week. We have a great episode for you here today where, again, we're going to fix the college football experience. 
I don't want to start real quick here with a question on Twitter from uh, one of my good friends at MarshallJ93 on Twitter. That's my buddy Marshall Hart. He asks, who are your top three favorite non-MSU and top three most hated non-U of M college football teams and why? Now, this is a tough question because I... I love college football, and it's really hard for me to to pick three teams that aren't named University of Michigan that that I really hate. Uh, there's there's one certainly that stands out, but other than that, it was tough for me to to say hate. I guess there's a couple of schools that I don't really love what they're doing, but um, the the favorites was also tough because there's a lot of schools that I just again I love college football, so. You know, there are a lot of schools that I follow relatively closely outside of Michigan State. But to give a, a top three, I guess, number one would be Cal, uh, Cal Berkeley. This is something where if you listen to the episode where I did, you know, the top coaching jobs at every school, Cal was top of the list in the Pac-12. And, and I don't really know why I love Cal so much. Uh, it's something that I've loved since I was a kid. Maybe it goes back to... You know, when I was younger, I was born in 94, so I, I was really getting into sports and college football around the time that they had Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson. These were my, you know, I guess that would have been late middle school, early high school days, you know, where sports is everything. And Cal was a really exciting football team at that time. And it's also nice to have a Pac-12 team because, you know, when you're staying up for that late window of college football, it's always nice to have a team that you're looking out for. I remember Michigan State, when we played at Cal, that was a really exciting game. I remember as a night game, uh, Javon Ringer went in there in the white jerseys, and that was just an awesome setting for college football. I love Cal. Uh, Texas, the other one here, the, the burnt orange, I, I think they have some of the best jerseys in college football some of the best helmets in college football. And again, you think back to, you know, 2005 was it national championship where, where Vince Young takes it in against USC. And, you know, again, that's right when I'm 10, 11 years old and you're really forming your, your love for college football when Vince Young is out there dominating the sport. Um, and, and of course, you know, we had Vince Young against Michigan in that Rose Bowl where he had something like 600 total yards. Uh, that was, uh, of course, fun to watch, you, you know, this guy take down your rivals. So Texas has always been one that's fun to watch for me. Um, and the last one, I, I you know, I, I went back and forth with a few schools here, but I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. I, I've always loved what they're doing. The Beamer ball, I, I've told you guys before, I'm a big special teams guy, so I, I've always appreciated Frank Beamer over the years um, until he stepped down a couple years back. Uh, you know, they won games on special teams, block punts, block kicks, you know, fakes and all that kind of stuff. So they were always exciting. Their uniforms are awesome. They have the Enter Sandman coming into the stadium. You know, when again, when I was younger, I remember watching Michael Vick and Kevin Jones in that backfield and they've had a lot of really exciting players. Um, so, you know, going back, I, I I've always really kept an eye on what Virginia tech's doing. And I really believe that college football is better off when Virginia tech is good. So if I had to pick only three, those would be it, I guess. Uh, North Carolina is another one that would be up there for me. 
Um, I, I've always kind of had an eye on Clemson. I don't know why the, the purple and gold or the purple and orange are just an awesome color combination. So I've always kind of liked what they're doing. Um, Oregon's another team that I've always liked to follow. I, I just love college football, man. It's so hard to pick only three. Um, now the least favorite, uh, th- there's really only one that stands out here. And most people from Michigan can kind of agree with this one with Notre Dame. Uh, it's just a school where, man, the fan base drives me up a wall. The whole independent thing where they they refuse to join a conference. It, it's just I, you get this pompous feeling out of their entire fan base that I just despise. So Notre Dame is the only clear one here. Um, I was really going and trying to find a couple other ones. I put Duke up there and maybe, you know, if we're asking this question specifically about college football, Duke is basically irrelevant. So, you know, it's hard for me to say that I hate Duke football, Uh, but Duke University, I I guess, as a whole drives me nuts. Obviously, their basketball program, but um, I I had to put Duke on there. The other one that just kind of drives me nuts sometimes is Texas A&M. I think that they believe that their place in college football is a lot higher than it really is. If that makes sense, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever interacted with A&M fans on Twitter or anything, um, even just watching the games and, and watching them interact with their teams. And, and it's just, I think that they believe they're in the Alabama, Ohio State, blue blood tier of college football. And they're just not, uh, you know, it's a, it's one of those schools similar to Michigan where they, they're just claiming national championships like every other year. You know, if they have a two-loss season, then they're national champs. So um, that, that's one that just kind of has always bothered me. I, I've never really rooted for them. You know, even when Johnny Manziel was, he was a fun player to watch, man. But I just, there was something about that school and that team that I was just... I, I can never really get on board with that. So the the three favorites are really tough because there's so many that I love. The three least favorites are are tough because I, there's not really a lot of schools that I feel strongly about disliking uh, other than Notre Dame again. So, you know, Notre Dame, A&M, and Duke, I, I guess, are the three that, that I don't really love. Um, Cal, Texas, Virginia Tech being the three um, outside of Michigan State, of course. That, that I've really always followed. I, I've always really loved what they're doing. So um, now let's let's jump into what the, the main topic here today. And again, that's, that's going to be fixing college football. So I want to start with the broadcast side of things, how we could update the TV side of it. And, and the reason that this is really getting brought up and, and this, the reason that I decided to do an episode on today is because of the whole COVID thing and, and because... TV networks have have been trying to and and kind of debating talk show radio has been talking about what they're going to do with the broadcast without fans. And this has been a thing with we've seen in European soccer. um, We've seen with golf and how the networks are deciding to go about this. Do they pump in, you know, fake fan noise? Do they you know, how do they adjust maybe even the stadium with, of course, the NBA bubble court? Uh, Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated just tweeted out a video um, earlier today as I'm recording on Wednesday 
with kind of a reveal of what this court looks like. And it's it looks awesome, man. But, it, you know, they're kind of hiding the fact that there's no fans in there. Uh, but it, it looks incredible. I mean, baseball stadiums have been talking about doing something where you can buy like a cardboard cutout that they'll put in the seats. It, you know, there's all kinds of different ideas getting floated out there about how they, they can try to make this broadcast fun and unique and, and well done. And it just got me thinking that there's a lot of things that with or without fans that I would love to change about the football broadcast as a whole. And then, of course, that got me thinking about Spartan Stadium and, and the game day experience around East Lansing and some things that I would love to change there. So, again, I, I blasted this out on social media. I'll give you some of the things that I was thinking about, some of the things my friends had texted me about, um, and some things that, that came from you guys on Twitter, on Reddit. Um, if, if you're not on Reddit, there's a, a subreddit. Um, called the only colors so if you just google like reddit the only colors it's a good home for for msu sports um there's a lot of good folks on there and and there's a lot of good conversations so um of course you know just getting your guys's thoughts as well so again let's start with the broadcast here and i think the first point is pretty obvious and just say the less commercials man the more I've gotten into to watching soccer over the last couple of years, you know, the Saturday morning Premier League and, and all this kind of stuff, man, the more it's it's just so refreshing and awesome to watch a soccer match with no commercials. You know, they just the, they kick it off, you know, and whether there's a goal, whether there's an injury, whatever happens, there are no commercials until halftime. They just play right on through. And of course, that's not realistic in a, in a football broadcast, but I would love them to just find a way, whether it's, you know, just regulating it as, as far as, okay, we only have commercial breaks during timeouts, during, uh, you know, the end of the quarter and injuries or something like that. That was something that Scott pointed out as a potential idea. Uh, coach Mack, my guy uh, on Twitter, my, my, my JV football coach, now a varsity coach, at Detroit Catholic Central, he had an idea for as far as the commercials, make it a maximum t- three-hour TV window for the game. You know, you can do some of these split-screen commercials that they've been doing over the last couple years to just kind of keep the game rolling, right? So if there's a change of possession while the offense and defense are switching out, they can do a split-screen commercial. Um, but but just to keep the game moving and keep it moving along because. Of course, it sucks the air out of it on TV from time to time. But even in the stadium, man, you know, it's it's very noticeable when you're in the stadium at Michigan State games and, and you know that it's an ESPN game because, man, you you can just feel those commercial breaks just wearing you down. And, and those games turn into three and a half hours so quickly. And, and man, it just drives me nuts. I, I would love to see less commercials, however they want to do that. Now, the next one is is something that I have been begging for for years, and it's an updated camera view. Man, I don't know what it is with this side angle. It's it's if they even just zoomed it out a little bit, it would be okay. But it's so focused on the ball and where the ball is, and of course that's important. But the more I watch football, the more you want to see what's going on outside the play. And if if you've if you've played football, if you're trying to analyze the game, uh, you know from a real X's nose perspective, the football broadcast does a horrible job for you of giving you that information. 
you know, when you're trying to scout, um, you know, and I've had, I've had a lot of experience with this, trying to scout college players going into the NFL, it's damn near impossible to find all 22 footage, which is ridiculous because all of the networks have that information readily available when, when they go to replay and they have the all 22 there. I don't know why they don't release that. You know, even if it's not a big part of the broadcast, if if they released it separately on their streaming platform, you know, if if Fox, if ESPN offered something where you could stream the game online in all 22 or something like that, um, that would be incredible. But the number one thing that I wish, even if they don't do the whole game in like this, which I believe they should, but even if they don't do the whole game, just incorporating it more often is the camera angle behind the quarterback. It gives you such a better picture of what's happening on any given play. I mean, when you have this side view and and a running back goes up the middle, bounces inside, hits a hole, you don't see that hole opening up. You don't see where he saw the hole. It's, It's, you know, when you have a quarterback throwing a slant pass and just squeezing it in front of a linebacker, or, or, you know, he gets the touch pass over the linebacker in front of the safety. When you have that side angle, you don't really see how difficult of a throw that is sometimes. And I just really wish they would incorporate that more into the broadcast. If you had the angle behind the quarterback and you can really see what's going on and, and what he's seeing. And it just gives you a better appreciation, I think, for how freaking hard it is to play quarterback man it's when you get this side view all the time it it makes it look easy it really does and the other thing is when the the current view as they have it right now when a quarterback starts scrambling you have no clue what is happening outside of that screen because the camera angle is fixed on the quarterback he starts scrambling the receivers are far enough downfield that they're out of the picture you have no freaking idea if anybody's open, if, if he's missing any throws, if, whatever. And it just drives me nuts, man. I, I, I've been begging for an updated camera angle for years and years now. Um, and it, it's about damn time. You know, we, if again, if they offered it as some side, sort of streaming service where, hey, we're going to show the normal broadcast as is on TV, but pay 15 bucks a month and you can get access to the you know, to the, uh, what do they call that? The, um, uh, the, the camera that goes up and down uh, above the field on the stadium and, and they can move it around. You can have access to that camera view behind the quarterback, or you can have access to the all 22 coverage. And I would, I would kill for that, man. I I've been begging for that for freaking years now. Um, now, the other thing as far as the broadcast goes that I would love to see that they've started to do a little bit more than they did in the past, but just incorporating more modern information. I mean, betting in in football is, is much more popular and it's legalized in most places around the country. So at least just just an awareness of what's happening on the gambling side of things would would be appreciated if you're giving me some information on the over under or the you know the point spread whether that's that that's the uh, announcers actually mentioning it on the broadcast whether it's you know some graphic on the screen i would love to see kind of an updated 
you know, modern broadcast, man, again, like it's, it shouldn't be taboo to talk about gambling lines in, in football anymore. So I would love to hear them talk about that a little bit more. Um, and again, the analytics side, the NFL especially has been doing a better job of this, but college football, I think is still a bit behind in terms of giving us a little bit more data, a little bit more, you know, statistics with all the technology we have, they have this ability to, to really give us some awesome information. And and I think they're just lagging behind a little bit on that still. Um, So I, I, I would love to see that. Now, um, let's see, am I missing any for the broadcast here? I'm just double checking on, on Twitter and on uh, Reddit to see if I'm missing anything. Cause we got a lot of responses for talking about the stadium experience. Now I believe that's it. So let's, let's jump into the stadium experience because this is something, again, if you're a lifelong Michigan state fan, there's going to be a lot of stuff it's a laundry list, mere man, but I'll try to get to, to some of the ones that were the most popular, the most controversial. Um, and number one by far is alcohol. Man, how do they not sell beer in the stadium? It, it just drives me nuts. It's one of those things where it's it's similar to legalizing weed or legalizing gambling at this point because uh, you know that people are going to do it anyway why not get a share of it? Why not kind of regulate it? I, I don't understand that. You know, as a student, we snuck fireball into every single Michigan State home game over the course of a four-year stretch. And even after I was a student, you know, if I would go and stay in a hotel or or if I had a, a designated driver going back home after the game, we would we would still be sneaking in fireball at, during a game as as alumni and it's just like you know come on man i i have a, a full-time job i have money i can buy beer at your stadium i want to buy i don't want to be sneaking in fireball but you're forcing my hand here but it's like come on man just get just give me something i'm not even i mean i in a perfect world i would love to have you know similar to for example uh comerica park you have craft beer options you have cocktail options you have cheap beer options you know you can still get a tall boy a miller light if you want um of course it being a college i I would love to see the prices down a little bit but you know that's the nature of the beast i get it you know it is what it is but i i would just love to see an option for me to buy beer in the stadium because again you go to this freaking three and a half hour broadcast i go in with a little bit of a buzz and by halftime you know, I got a headache and the hangover starting to kick in. So allow me to drink beer in your freaking stadium, please. I, you know, this is something that drives everybody nuts. I I had like five responses on Twitter and on Reddit about, um, alcohol. I know Luke on Twitter mentioned bringing booze in Scott mentioned, bringing booze in TJ mentioned, bringing booze in. It's just like, come on, man. It's, it's about time that we get this done. Uh, I, I would, nothing more really needs to be said about that. Now, the student section, uh, this is another kind of controversial thing where we, you know, trying to dance around it because 
we know that there's an issue with student attendance in many games. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think number one, of course, is the tailgating scene is better than being in the stadium, right? When you're not selling booze in the stadium, you're going to want to just stay and prolong the drinking and then try to get into the game after maybe after the first quarter's already over. The other thing is the entrance process for students is horrible. It takes like two hours to get into the stadium. You're standing in line and it's such a slow process. And I would love to see them maybe open up another student entrance, you know, whatever they need to do to make that process faster, because you can get to the stadium 45 minutes for the game and you walk into the, you walk into your seats 15 minutes into, into the game. And and so you know, you can show up 40 minutes early and still be late because of how long that stupid process is. So I would love to see them speed that up a little bit. Um, Scott mentioned an interesting idea of allowing students to basically reserve seats with their friends. You know, of course, right now there's kind of a broken system where it's, you know, it's a free-for-all, right? First one's in, get their pick and and all of that. And and I get it. I don't hate it. Um, And I don't hate the idea of changing it. The one problem is that that we've ran into many times is you have a group of people that want to go to the game together. And then inevitably of those six or seven people, you're going to have two or three that want to stick around the tailgate a little bit longer and want to go in a little bit late. And then it's impossible to meet up in the stadium. And so... You know, you end up getting split up uh, quite often. So I was thinking about doing it similar to kind of combining that idea with that of the Izone. If you were to have some sort of system where the underclassmen, freshmen and sophomores are are basically just reserved upper deck seats. Um, and within that, maybe there's, you know, tickets go on sale at midnight. And you do similar to like the Izone camp out. If you had like a Spartan Stadium camp out where at midnight, you know, you can go in and buy tickets. And part of that process is you reserving tickets together. Um, I think that would give a little bit of an incentive. It would bring a little bit more excitement because you have the camp out. You can sit together with your friends. You can reserve tickets. Um, for the upperclassmen, it rewards them by being able to sit closer to the field. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe you would have to to figure something out with the first couple rows, you know, because I, I think you, you shouldn't be able to just reserve the front row for the whole season. There's got to be something around that. But um, I, I do like the idea. You know, I would have to play around with that a little bit. But, you know, the student section, it's it's always been... A little bit of an issue. I know some folks mentioned the idea of of reducing the student section. Um, I know who was it? Uh, Money Matt zero zero one on Reddit said he wanted a smaller student section, basically eliminate the upper bowl. I think that's a little bit extreme, eliminating the whole upper bowl for the students. Um, one thing that I think would be interesting if if you maybe make a smaller student section for non rivalry games. Because for the Michigan game, for the Ohio State game, um, even for the Penn State game every year, the the student section is packed. It's it's fun. The students are into the game. And I wouldn't want to take that away from the students who are ultimately 
you know, the biggest part of the program. Um, but, you know, ultimately for a Florida international non-conference game for a Minnesota game, it's just not full uh, the last couple of years. Uh, when we were there, we were in basically the heyday of Michigan State football um, with, with Mark D'Antonio's run in 2013, 14, 15. The student section was packed about every game that didn't have that horrible weather, but um, I, I would like to see them try something out again. I, I think if you kind of combine what the Izone does with maybe uh, reducing the student section for non-rivalry games, I, I think we could play around with it a little bit. But either way, I think we need to improve the entrance process for students for sure. Um, and, and yeah, maybe reserving seats isn't a bad idea, having some sort of system for that. Um, now, one thing that TJ mentioned, and he was on the podcast a couple weeks back with us, uh, he had a great idea of giving basically a big screen outside of the stadium for people not going into the game. You know, this is uh, something that District Detroit has tried to do with the new Little Caesars Arena. Um, having this big screen outside of the stadium, it's something that the Toronto Raptors you know, got a lot of publicity for during their NBA finals run where the entire, you know, the whole area outside the stadium is packed with fans. And, and, you know, you can, it, it gives you an ability to go tailgate, experience East Lansing, East Lansing, spend your money in local liquor stores and restaurants and all that kind of stuff, as well as being able to bond with the other fans and watching the game. You also don't have to lug around your generator and, and pack 15 people around a you know 24-inch TV that's sitting in the back of the tailgate. Uh, it, I think that's a great idea, honestly. You know, having some sort of centralized place, whether it's attached to the stadium, whether they put up like an inflatable uh, screen and Mun Field. Uh, I think that would be a great idea to kind of, again, another way to just bring people together. I would really love that. Um, another thing here is just, I think, Munfield in general. I, I don't know why there's this like reluctancy from Michigan State to allow that to be like a tailgating hub, uh, because I, I think it absolutely should be. It's a perfect area for it. So that's that's one thing, you know, I was trying to think of just go back to allowing people to, to park their cars, tailgate, bring booze. I, I don't care. But if if they don't want that as part of that whole experience, yeah, maybe maybe do an inflatable screen on Mun Field and, and, you know, allow people, you know, just don't allow cars there, but allow people to kind of congregate there um, and watch the game on a giant inflatable screen uh, with a projector. I think that would be interesting. You're right next to the stadium, so you can hear the crowd noise and, and get into it. It's a big enough area for a lot of people to pack in there. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, so so some kind of update with Munfield and allowing that to be part of the tailgating scene again, I think would be really good. Beyond that, I think the the whole player entrance thing just needs to be updated and and this is something that uh rel too true on twitter jrel mentioned that just one better entrance music when the team takes the field as well as you know he kind of combined them but he's like do we even have a game day tradition and i started thinking about this and you're like virginia tech has the you know enter sandman when they're coming in nebraska has an awesome player entrance 
Um, you have Colorado with Ralphie the Buffalo, you know, storm in the field. You have uh, Clemson, you know, with t- touching the rock and running into the stadium. And you have these iconic things that Michigan State just doesn't really have any of that. So if we just updated the player entrance, updated the music throughout the game, uh, that's something we've needed for years. We're still playing music from like the early 2000s, and I don't think we've ever updated that. So that would be something that I would love. A um, couple more things here, and this one is big. The idea where where they they stripe the stadium, right? Green and white in this sections, and they don't give you a shirt, which is nuts. Uh, you know, you look at like the Penn State whiteouts, it's a lot easier when you throw a free t-shirt on the on the seats because my family has complained about this for ages. You know, they'll say, okay, everybody in this section wear white. And that sounds great and it sounds easy in September, but when you're trying to do this for a November game, no nobody has a white winter coat. So it, it just it makes it impossible to do effectively. So if it's something that the university really wants to commit to something like that. You know, you have to to offer the free, you know, extra large white T-shirt that you can put on over your coat. So in the TV broadcast, you know, you have the look of wearing white, you know, throughout that whole section. So, you know, it, it was always funny to me when they say, okay, everybody here wear white and it's a November game. And you're like, no, I'm going to wear what's comfortable for me because that that's just insane. I'm not wearing a white T-shirt to a game in November. A um, couple more things. Uh, more frozen lemonade cups. I love the frozen lemonade cups at Spartan Stadium. More food options in general would be awesome. Um, they introduced the cookie ice cream sandwiches recently, which uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, more Zeke. More Zeke the Wonder Dog. It just bring Zeke into basically every TV timeout, every normal timeout. I want Zeke on the field. Uh, a couple more things from social media. Let's see here on Reddit. Uh, your boy Yake mentioned getting rid of these constant commercial breaks. Uh, Money Matt had a lot of stuff here, improving the concessions. Uh, let's see here. Having this was an interesting one that I, I honestly don't think I've ever noticed. Said having speakers on one side of the stadium has always blown my mind. They put in these fantastic massive scoreboards, but only provide audio on the south side of the stadium. Uh, so if you had some kind of surround sound within the stadium and again, you updated the music, that would be good. I honestly have never noticed that maybe it's because we've been sitting in the same area for 25 years and it's just become normal for me, but I I've never noticed that. So, um, yeah, surround sound speakers. Let's do that. Um, added Wi-Fi in the stadium. That would be awesome because the cell service in that stadium is atrocious on game day. There's just so many people that, you know, it's impossible to get a connection when you're, you know, trying to text your friends who are, you know, trying to find you in a different section, whatever it might be. Um, so if you added some Wi-Fi, that would obviously help. Um, let's see. He mentioned smaller student sections as well. Uh, Jay Ramsey has a good one here. Jay Ramsey 32 on Reddit. It might be a hot take, but they need to abolish the wave distracting from the game. And it's rarely successful. Um, There was a a little bit of a debate over that one. I don't disagree with it. Uh, Not a big wave guy. Um, It, it, you know, when you're a kid though, this is the thing that I guess um, takes away from it. When you're a kid, the wave is like the coolest thing ever. So I, I would hate to take that away from the younger crowd, but 
Um, that that's an interesting one. Take away the wave. I don't think I've ever heard that take before. Um, another one here. The last one on Reddit was Logic Out the Window is the username, and he mentioned that basically a, a limit on tailgating. So tailgating should only be allowed three hours before the game, during the game, and three hours after the game. Um, I quite frankly completely disagree with that. I think you should be allowed to tailgate whenever the hell you want. I don't care if it's a night game and I want to get there at 6 a.m. to start tailgating. Um, it, it brings out, I think, a better game day atmosphere and, and just an energy around the campus. Um, so it's an interesting point. I mean, he brings up some you know, ideas about students getting too drunk and people getting too drunk drinking all day, but I think that's going to happen regardless. I, I don't think you can really avoid that by limiting the amount of time you can technically be you know, on campus tailgating, people are going to do it anyway. So, you know, it goes back to, you know, allowing us to buy beer in the stadium. Just people are going to do it anyway. So it's impossible to really police that. Um, so, so I don't really, I don't buy into that. I, I think you should be able to tailgate whenever the hell you want. Uh, Coach Mack on Twitter, he had a couple more things with the TV broadcast allowing a double bye week every year allows TV to spread games out and uh, it's obviously good for player safety. So that's, you know, leaning towards the TV networks here. Um, if we could introduce these double bye weeks every year for every team, I, I agree with that. I think that's a win-win for everybody. Uh, he also mentioned this is, you know, obviously not specific to Michigan state, but to a lot of colleges around the country, do we really need a hundred thousand fans? Fans, experience might be better with 60,000 with seats slightly more spread out and more luxuries. And this is something that me and Marshall were talking about as well, um, where if you if you've ever watched a game at the big house, you know how nice it would be to get a little bit more space for your seat. So, um, yeah, they can pack 100,000 in there and it sounds nice. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just it's really uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I don't I I would hate to have that as my stadium. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, if you can really limit that if that's possible, but I always prefer the the 60 to 70,000 over the 100,000, you know, and even somewhere like Penn State, I think it's really the only place that it works and that it's an awesome experience um and it comes through on TV. You know, Michigan, the big house, it's its not just because of the way it's constructed, I guess. It's not really that loud. It's not really that intimidating. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, smaller stadiums are, are generally a little bit more exciting, a little bit better of an experience. So um, a lot of good interactions, a lot of good ideas from you guys. Um, if, if I missed anything, if we all missed anything again, hit me up on Twitter at standing room MSU. Let me know what you think would make for the best game day experience, whether that's at Spartan stadium, whether that's on TV, whether that's tailgating, whatever it might be. Um, let me know what you think again, follow me at standing room MSU on Twitter, standing room Spartans on the new Instagram page. Tell your friends and family, leave me a review on Apple Podcast if you have an extra five seconds, and make sure you subscribe because, like I said, we got an interview with Corey Robinson from Rivals coming next week that I'm really, really excited for. I think we're going to get a lot of good information from that. And, of course, we, we will continue to put out great content regardless of what happens 
with this college football season. So thank you guys so much for listening. Have yourselves a great Thursday. Have yourselves a great weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Take care.